0: So, it's been, it's been a long time. So, Aaron's been speaking on, on marriage the last couple weeks. Anybody been here? Anybody here married? Raise your hand if you're married. Raise your hand if you're not married. Raise your hand if you're not married and you want to be married. Anybody married that doesn't want to be married? <laughs> if you're in that boat, maybe this sermon's for you. So today we're going to look at a couple. We're going to look at Abram and Sarah, who, who uh, God later changed their names to Abraham and Sarah, and I'll probably bounce back and forth between the two because that's just how it usually goes. So if you're not yet married, if you're not yet married, do you have expectations of what it is to be married? Do you have expectations of, of, of what you would want your marriage to be? And for the people that are married, if you if you look back to where you were before you got married, did you have those expectations as well? What did you want from your marriage? What did you think it would be like? And then is it? Is it now? Maybe your story's like this, you know, that you were gonna, you were gonna fall in love, you were gonna have the tingly winglies inside of your belly, and and you were gonna get married, and there was, it was just gonna be this blissful marriage. One day you'd have the perfect home, you'd have uh, one, two, three cats, no dogs, nobody needs dogs. I don't care. Chances are you were going to have a couple of kids, one boy, and then a girl. You'd have a great career. You'd travel some. You'd grow older, and those tingly-winglies would just continue on through the rest of your blissful marriage. It sounds awesome, doesn't it? It sounds awesome. Fast forward in your marriage, two years, three years, five years, 20 years. Is that how it is? What would you say you want from your marriage now? Well, I just want to be able to pay my bills this week. I want my car to be able to get me to work. I want my kids to stay out of jail. <laughs> the expectations are just a little bit different. The tingly winglies are not the priority anymore. It's, it's, this, it's this day-to-day, what might be cons- titled as suffering in our marriage, that, that we're, it's a little bit more challenging than what we had expected. Sometimes midway into our marriage or a relationship, we end up saying, this is just not like I thought it would be. Sometimes it's better, sometimes it's worse, but rarely is it like what you expected. Travis, pop up that first picture. (laughs) So these two people, 28 years ago, these two people, they had no expectations for anything. At, At this moment, the, the dude is not interested in the girl that's on his back. She's got expectations with somebody else. Is that not true? Yeah, not interested at all, not even a little bit. There, there were no expectations there. When, when Amy and I first met, we were friends. She was into other people, and I was into Diet Coke. It was... Uh, <laughs> It was just an interesting time in college. But, but, but our, our expectations, our plans were absolutely nothing. We had separate individual plans. Next picture. This is two years later, and expectations start to change a little bit. So, a couple years later, after college and, and, a, and a whole bunch of turmoil in between, uh, Amy and I started dating. Um, I'll, I'll be upfront and honest with you Amy at this time was a believer, I was not. I was not. Um, plans were still kind of like up in the air. Um, I think it, I think within a couple of years of this, we were engaged to be married the first time, and uh, and after about six months of being engaged for the first time, we broke it off and we're not engaged anymore. And then we got engaged the second time, and that one kind of stuck. Um, and then and then the next picture, we got married. So. Let me just say, at this point, I am still a non-believer and she is still a believer. And as her dad was walking her down to the beach, he's saying, you know, you can still back out. (laughs) At the time, I thought he was a jerk. However, if that's me walking my daughter down the aisle to a non-believer, guess what I'm going to be saying? We, we We had plans and expectations. Our plans at this point were... Uh, I'm not a believer. Amy is a believer. We're not going to have kids, so it's all good. We'll never have to have the discussion as to whether or not we're going we're to raise our kids following any kind of faith. We are not going to have them. We were adamant about not having them. Uh, now, In between now and the next picture, I became a believer. I became a believer, and, uh, and everything changed. Expectations and plans changed radically once again. Pop up the next picture. So now there's four of us that, that, if, that if you had asked us back when we were 17 and 18 in that first picture if, that, if that's what we had planned, if that's what we had expected, is this, is this what we pictured? Not, not even close. Um, and even when we were married, is this what you pictured? Not even close. And, and, and this picture doesn't include the foster kids that we've had, the states that we've lived in, the, the ups and the downs. And you know, this is just not what we had planned. And then the last picture. Who, <laughs> Who plans that? We planned it really hard. But you go back to when you're 18 and, and say, so you're going to be doing Blue Oyster Cult lip sync contests with your kids on stage. Oh, no way. No way. Many of you right now might be looking at your life and thinking, this is just not what I had planned. For better or for worse, this is just not what I had, I had planned. That, that I thought it was going to be something significantly different. That, it, that I want it to be something significantly different. We're going to look at this story about Abraham and Sarah, and, and, and I hope that it speaks to you. I hope it speaks to you, uh, the, the people that are not married and that want to be married, the people that are married and, and want their marriage to be better, to, to people that aren't even thinking about their marriage. It's like, well, what is my relationship with God, and what are, what are my expectations and plans for my life, and, and, and what does God have to say about that? If we look at Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, God is, is speaking to Abram. When God speaks to Abram and says this, God says, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. And then he makes this phenomenal promise to Abram. He says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. God's telling them that you've got to leave all that you know, all, of that, all of that is comfortable to you, and you're going to go to another place and you don't even know what it is. I do, but I'm going to, you need to go. A place that you don't know. That, that one way or another, you're going to have to, by faith, follow God when he calls you. You're going to have to follow by faith into the unknown places. You're going to have to cleave the things that are most comfortable to you to go to where it is that God desires you to be. And, and faith is a characteristic that Abraham is remembered for in the New Testament. Hebrews 11.8 says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his, as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he followed the voice of God. You can imagine that he came home to Sarah that day and said, you know, honey, we, we got to go. We got to pack up the camels and go. And, and, and she's like, what? You're, you're kidding. Said, no, that's what God said, we, we got to go. And, and it, it, it's not as easy as it would have been today, you know, where you just call a realtor and say, okay, we need a three-bedroom, two-bath, send a moving truck and go. It's, it's, it's a little bit of an effort. But by faith, he went. And, and he went into the blessings that, that God was promising. And, and we have that, that call as well on our lives. God will often call us into the blessings and the only road to go on is the faith road. But what is our usual response? What is our usual response when God calls us into something uncomfortable? My response is like, uh, I, I would love some details. <laughs> details are awesome, you know. I don't wanna go on a, you know, a, a trip across country without knowing you know, where are we gonna stay, where, where are the bathrooms, where are the places to eat. I want to know some details." But God's response uh, to that might be, you can't handle the details. If I gave you all the details, you might not obey. If you knew everything that I had planned for you, you might not go. And he also might say, you know, if, if I'm, not, I'm not going to give you the details either. If, if I give you all the details, then you're not, you're not responding in faith. He's responding in information, but what he wants is for us to follow him in faith. So Abraham and Sarah get this response: "You're going to be a great nation. You're going to have lots of kids, lots of grandkids, massively blessed with with generations after generations. But first, you have to go. First, you have to go. And what's interesting is that if you look in the New Testament, when you look at the life of Abraham and Sarah and how it's presented in the New Testament, they are characterized as as, a, as people of faith. They're a couple of faith. That's, that's their main characteristic. But if, but if you look at their life, you can see that their faith wavers all over the place. And, and, and I find comfort in that. I find comfort in that, that, that my faith wavers. But even though my faith wavers, I can, I can look at Abraham and Sarah and understand that, well, well, even though my faith wavers, I can be characterized as a man of faith. That that this one moment is not the grand picture of my life. And if you watch where, where their story goes, you know, at first Abraham screws up, and then Sarah screws up, and then they both screw up. But the good news is that even when they were faithless, God is faithful. And the same can be true in our lives. When we're faithless, God is faithful. We, we get to know the goodness and faithfulness of him. But what typically happens when life doesn't go as planned? What, what are our responses? Rather than being strengthened in our faith, many of us falter. So this morning, we're going to look at the top three things in their marriage that happened in the, in the marriage of Abraham and Sarah that, when life didn't go quite as they had planned. The first thing is they fell victim to fear and we can fall victim to fear. That's what happened with Abram when, when famine hit his land, the economy tanked, the family had to move, and, and, and in fear they made some sinful decisions. In verses 11 through, t- 11 through 13 it says, as Abraham was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife Sarah, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they'll say, this is his wife. Then they'll kill, they'll kill me, but we'll let you live. So. So he's, he's, he's about to tell him that I want you to tell a lie. So say you are my sister, which is kind of like a half-truth. It's a half-sister. That's a whole different discussion. <laughs> he says, say you're my sister so that I'll be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. He's walking into enemy territory. They know the pattern is if they want the wife, they're going to kill the husband. That way they can have the wife. So, so he says, you know, lie about it. Now what's interesting is God had made a promise. God had made a promise that they were going to have lots and lots of kids. So from biology class, that means you need two. That you need both Abraham and Sarah there. But, but out of fear, fear for his own life, he disregarded the promise of God and, and made uh, a decision that was, that was wrong. He feared death. He doubted the promises of God because I really don't trust God to do what he said he was going to do. this is what I'm going to do. And we can see this happen in our lives. You know, if you're not married and you're wanting to get married, or if you're not married and you're postponing getting married, so if, so if, you're, if you're with your person and, and, and you've got these doubts, you know, well, well, what if he cheats? What if she nags? What if we get divorced? What if we don't have kids? What if we have too many kids? What if, what if, what if, what if? What if is, is a statement of fear, then when we look at the, the, the call, the commands, the blessings of God, the promises of God, that, that, that we cannot respond to them out of, out of fear rather than living by faith. And we can see this in our marriages all the time. God is calling us to tithe, but, but what if we struggle financially? God is calling us to be generous, but what if I lose my job? God is calling one of us to stay at home and, and, and be a stay-at-home parent, but, but what if we can't do it financially? God's calling us to start a new ministry, a new business, a new grow group, but what if, what if, what if? What if? Instead of building one one another up in our marriages, we we can tear each other down mutually in fear. What if? What if? What if we talk ourselves out of being obedient to God instead of walking in faith? What if? Abraham panicked. God gave him the promise. You're gonna have kids. You're gonna have a lot of kids. Abraham said, But they're gonna kill me. And he stopped believing the promise and gave into fear. Do you fall victim to fear? The second thing that often happens, and and you might see this in yourself, is that that they got ahead of them, uh, they got ahead of God. And we often get ahead of God. When life isn't going as planned, we take the lead. We take the lead ahead of God. You're taking way too long, God. This isn't happening in my timing. Don't you know I'm tired of waiting on you? I'm going to make some decisions. I'm going to make some changes. I'm going to make it happen. And that's what Sarah did. That's what Sarah did. Abraham messed up, and then Sarah messed up. Genesis Genesis 16, 1 and 2, it says, Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. You're supposed to have kids. you got no kids. That's a big problem. The Bible says... But she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. So a quick pause here. Guys, if your wife ever suggests that, the answer is no. It's, it's either a test or something's wrong. The answer is no. The answer is no. So she says, go sleep with my maidservant. And then notice what she says perhaps i can build a family through her she got ahead of god god wasn't doing what she wanted him to do in her timing and so she went ahead and and tried to make it happen on her home on her own this is not what she she didn't say god can do this she didn't say god can bring about his promises she didn't say we can do what god told us to do she said i can take control and make this happen i can take control and make this happen I'll get ahead of God and force it. Now, if you read the whole story, it just gets ugly. You know, it gets ugly after that. Years and years of trouble and catfights and jealousy, all because Sarah got ahead of God and forced it. Now, where do we force it? Can you picture moments in your life that you force it? Maybe a young Christian girl seeing all of her friends around her getting married, but she's got no one, so she kind of settles with some dude that's got a wallet and a heartbeat. Maybe as a young married couple, you look at the finances of your parents and you're just like, you know, I want those blessings and that material stuff that my parents have. So, so instead of waiting and being financially responsible, you just go into debt and for the next 20 years have a stranglehold over you because of the, the debt that you're in. Maybe you're a, a believer married to a non-believer and your response instead of patience and love and humility and... and uh, in a gentle service evangelism, you're just forcing church down his throat, ultimately pushing him away from God, and the list can go on and on. Where are the areas that you force it? Remember, God is rarely early, but he is never late. Our timing is not his timing. He is rarely early, but he is never late. His timing is perfect. Ours is not. Ours is not. A lot of time, we just panic. It's not happening the way I want it to. It's not happening as fast as I think it should. Where are you, God? I feel like I have to do something. But waiting, waiting on God is not passive living. Waiting on God is not passive living. What, it, what does a waiter do? If you're at a restaurant and somebody your, your waiter is waiting on you, is he just like standing there doing nothing? That person's serving. Moving, shaking, doing his job, doing what he 's supposed to be doing, waiting on you, but it 's not passive, and this moment of waiting when you 're sit, you're sitting there thinking, god this isn 't happening fast enough. why am I waiting well that, that that life of waiting can be can be aggressive, aggressively pursuing God, chasing after God, doing what it is that He told you to do, getting to know him better, getting to, to serve. And minister and and be the person that He has created you to be in wait of the promise to come through. But Sarah panics. It's not coming out the way she wants it. She gets ahead of God and pays for it. When things don't go as planned, it's easy to start making decisions of fear, on fear, and getting ahead of God. And number three, it's just easy to not believe that God will do it for us. We simply don't believe that God will follow through for us. You might believe that he'll follow through for you. The promises will come true for you. He'll answer your prayers, but he's not going to answer mine. Does anybody here struggle with doubt? I struggle with doubt. And, And if you look at Abraham and Sarah's story, you can understand why they would doubt. These next verses are 30 years after the promise that God made to them. Think about this. You're a promise that you're going to have kids. You're going to have kids. So you start prepping the nursery. A year later, there's no kids. And you're thinking, well, maybe, maybe when you go to a doctor, something's, something's not quite right. You know, Six months later, it goes by, and, and, and still nothing is happening. I thought it was going to happen by now. He gave us the promise. Two years later, four years later, eight years later, God, do you remember 12 years later, 20 years later, 30 years later, how easy would it be to lose faith? 30 years later. And then we get to see how Sarah and Abraham both reacted. Genesis 17, verses 15 through whatever it is. Then God said to Abraham, regarding Sarah, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarah. From now on, her name will be Sarah And I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly, and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. Then Abraham bowed down to the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief. How could I become a father at the age of 100, he thought. And how can Sarah have a baby when she is 90 years old? In other words, God, things don't work like they used to. Things, things, things. It it's just, it's just doesn't make any sense. You've you got to be kidding me. And, and Sarah's response was, was very similar. She overheard God talking, and in verse 12 of Genesis 18, the Bible says, Lost my page. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I'm worn out and my master's old, will I now have this pleasure? And that's how I imagine her saying it. It's sarcastic, it's got to be sarcastic. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I'm this old? In verse 14, God asked this question that must have pierced their souls, just as I pray it does ours. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Something shifted here. Something shifted in in the mindset, the heart set, the spirit set of Abraham and, and Sarah. Is anything too hard for the Lord? You're the guy that says all things are possible. And at that moment, all of their unbelief, all the, the manipulation that they had been doing just must have gone, was, was wiped away. And they said, okay, we can take God at his word. I know there are a lot of people that want children and, and haven't been able to, and, and that's, that's a pain that I can't comprehend. And you might be giving up in faith. But is there anything too hard for the Lord? We can't afford to adopt. You know, we just financially can't pull it off. Is anything too hard for the Lord? You know, in our marriage, we're in a financial mess and, and we're just never going to be able to climb out. It is, it is just crushing. Is anything too hard for the Lord? You don't know how bad our marriage is. My spouse will never be a godly person. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Our kids are just a mess. They're racing down paths that are just going to end up horrible for them. Is anything too hard for the Lord? We're always going to be miserable in our situation. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Let's pause for a moment. If you're married and you were honest with yourself that, that your marriage is not where you expected it to be, if you're struggling in your marriage, if you're struggling in in the desire to be married, the the one theme running through this entire series is this: invite God into the center. Don't just have him be on the outskirts. Don't just play the church thing and show up on Sunday morning and 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 check off the box. I went to church. I, I filled out my card and then and then go about your day with absolutely no reflection, no. No desire to move forward in your relationship with Him. Bring Him into your life, not just here right now, but throughout the rest of the week. In those moments when you are struggling in your marriage, when you're struggling in your relationships, invite Him into the center. Join hands with your spouse and say, God, we have been distracted for whatever reason it is we invite you here when life doesn't turn out as you as you plan especially when life doesn't turn out as you plan embrace him embrace god and remember this you don't need all the things you want you don't need all the things you want And another challenge is that we don't necessarily want all the things that we need. With God as the focus, with God in the the middle, those can be straightened. You need him and him alone. And he alone can be enough. He alone can be enough. The good news is even if you are faithless right now, at this moment, just as Abraham and Sarah were faithless, just as I have been faithless God is faithful. And the next season of your life, the next season of your life that can start with the next breath can be characterized as as a person of faith. Even though they messed up again and again, this is how the New Testament describes Abram. Romans 4, 19 through 21. Without weakening in his faith, something happened here, there's a transition. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and Sarah's womb was also dead. He faced the fact that there's a difference between the facts and the truth. Facts can change. The truth never will. The fact was his body was dead. The truth was God gave a promise. God gave a promise, and the truth trumps facts. Truth always prevails. Verse 20, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully, not partially persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Do not waver in your faith. Do not waver in your faith. If your life is not going as planned, do not waver in your faith. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but the Lord's purpose is will prevail. Do not waver. And even if you do, here's the great news, even if you do, when you are faithless, he is still faithful. Why embrace anyone else or anything else over the faithfulness of God? Invite him to be the Lord of every area of your life, especially the covenant union of marriage. Especially. Let that be the example for, for not just your children, but the families around you as well. It may not be in your timing, but he is never late. Let's pray. God, I thank you for what you're saying to us. I ask that you would do a miraculous work, first in, in the hurting marriages, and then, God, in, in, in the lives of everyone whose faith is faltering, which is so easy in this this pain-filled, sin-filled world. So right now, I just want you all to to focus on and, and ask yourself, are you characterized by faithfulness or are you growing in faith? Do you find yourself talking in fear and getting ahead of God and maybe not even believing God will do it for you? Look at your marriage. Is your marriage truly characterized by faith or is life just kind of taken over? For those of you who would say, quite honestly, I really want to be strengthened in my faith. I want my marriage to be strengthened in faith. I want to have an unwavering faith in the faithfulness of God, and I'm going to pray that that would be so. Would you lift your hands up right now? Thank you for the, the group of people here that, that want that. I lift all of you up. God, for those who are not married and facing maybe some fears as to whether or not you're going to give them someone, God, I pray that their whole faith would not be in a future spouse, but their whole faith would be in you. That right now you would be enough, that you would be everything that they need. And God, for those who have a marriage that is not what it should be, and and that is so many of us, God, we ask that you would be in the center of our marriages, that it would be built around you that Christ would be the head and we would line up under his authority and we would seek him first. And then, God, as we seek him first, you would add everything that matters in our lives. May we come under the authority of your son, Jesus Christ, and seek him. And even when, especially when life just does not go as planned, we commit to seek you, God, and to trust you no matter what. As we continue praying today, I just want to talk as clearly as I can. I want you to listen very well, very carefully, not just to what I say, but what the Spirit of God would say to you. There's some of you that you don't even know where you stand right now. That that beyond your marriage, beyond the search for a spouse, you you don't even know where you stand with God right now. You might be wondering, have, have I been good enough? Have I done too many bad things? Have, Am I, can I really be right with God? If that's you, I want I want you to pay very careful attention. Because God wants to speak to you. In the Old Testament, it says that Abraham believed God. In the New Testament, it describes his faith, and it says that it was credited to him as righteousness. The belief. His belief, his faith was credited to him as righteousness. He was made right with God not because of his works but because of his faith if you wonder where you stand with God chances are you might not be in good standing if you think well I've got to I've got to do good works and be more religious and try harder let me just tell you right now you will never succeed the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 that it's only by the grace of God that you're saved and it's not by your works it's only by faith and the perfect work of God through his son Jesus because God loved us as sinners so much that he sent his sinless son to become sin for us on the cross. We celebrate that in communion as the perfect sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins. He died and rose again, and now anyone, and that includes you, who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Believe and confess if there are those of you here that you've tried to be a good person, tried to stop being a bad person, maybe you've done some religious things but you you don't know where you stand, today call in the name of Jesus and by faith you will be saved, by faith you will be forgiven, by faith you will be filled with the spirit of God. You are here today because God ordained for you to be here, to be saved by grace through faith. And if that's you, if that's you, would you raise your hand and say, yes, that, that is me. Today I want to believe and confess. I want to accept Jesus Christ, the, the, the blood that washes our sins free. I want to have a relationship with God through him. If that's you, raise your hand. God, it's a beautiful thing. I'm going to say a prayer and, and know that this prayer is not some magical thing. It is, it is just an opportunity for you to confess and believe. And if today this is your confession and this is your statement, I pray that you pray this with me. Heavenly Father, save me from my sins. Make me brand new. My life is no longer my own. I give it to you. As you sent Jesus for me, I give my whole life to you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so I could serve you. Give me faith to follow you always. Thank you for the new life. Now I give you all of mine. In Jesus' name I pray.